Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is an episode of the Key Row Film Society, and today is going to be a Captain America-themed episode. Uh, in light of the release of Captain America Civil War uh, just yesterday. Uh, that music you heard at the beginning was actually the theme music from the 1979 Captain America movie. Um, I'm not going to touch on that. I have never watched it, and I don't really want to. But we are going to go through not one, not two, but all three of the Marvel Cinematic uh, Captain America movies. And so uh, <clears throat> I'm going to very briefly touch on Civil War, because as I've mentioned before, um, I don't like to do full reviews, full analysis of movies while they're still in theaters, because I don't want to risk spoiling it. And more than that, I like wa sitting down and watching it to really uh, better meditate upon some of the ideas and the themes found in the movie. But I am I am going to do a very light analysis in the, this one, uh, and I'm going to do some... And I'm going to give you my uh, light review as well. But the first Avenger and Winter Soldier, which were the previous two movies, I'm going to do a full-on review, full-on analysis. And so that's going to be the episode. It's going to be Captain America all throughout... And so, with that in mind, we are gonna, I'm going to actually start with Civil War, even though it's the third movie. I'm going to start with that because it's the one that just came out in theaters. I know this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley. You just don't know when to give up. I could do this all day. If you have something against running away. If you start running, they'll never let you stop. Are really gonna do this now? There are men laying down their lives. I got no right to do any less than that. I can offer you a chance. Our goal is to create new breeds of super soldiers. When you brought a 90 pound asthmatic onto my army base, I let it slide. I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. You win wars with deaths. Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. 
relate. Nobody's perfect. Well, that is uh, the trailer for Captain America First Avenger, which was the first of the movies that I know I just said that I was going to start with Civil War. Well, I kind of accidentally started the wrong trailer. So uh, I'm going to just start with First Avenger. Uh, Captain America First Avenger. Uh, first Avenger came out in uh, 2011. Uh, it was directed by Joe Johnston. Uh, Chris Evans is the one that, of course, plays Captain America. Uh, Hugo Weaving as uh, Red Skull. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson makes a very brief appearance as uh, Nick Fury. And, of course, you have Haley At Atwell as uh, Peggy Carter. And so uh, Tommy Lee Jones is also in it as Colonel Chester Phillips. So those are some of the major actors in the film. Uh Captain America is, in the comics, is, you know, he's a very significant hero, actually in the history of comic, book, comic books. Because, I mean, especially, he was created during World War II. He was created as a character to encourage our soldiers overseas. And a lot of the, our soldiers were reading these Captain America comics. One of the most famous comic book covers of all times is the cover showing uh, Captain America punching out Adolf Hitler. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, that's being the most famous cover is that they actually do kind of play on that in the movie. So Captain America First Avenger was, I think it was a significant movie for Marvel to do because Marvel uh, at the time had no control over Spider-Man had no control over X-Men. And really, I would argue that Marvel has three premier heroes. Three heroes in its titles that stand above everyone else. And one of them is the X-Men. Another is Spider-Man. I'd say Spider-Man's the, the face of Marvel. And the number three would be Captain America. And so it's very important to get this movie off. And especially if you're going to do an Avengers movie, because he leads the Avengers. And, and so this movie, when it came out, uh, I was, admittedly, I had pretty high hopes for it. And, uh, my, and, I, and I say this because just to let you know that my, what I was expecting of the movie was not as much what I got. It was a little bit of a letdown for me. Uh, early on, when I was hearing the reviews of the 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 description of the movie when people were working on it, uh, some of the writers and stuff like that. And maybe they had some different changes in the script or the screenplay, but the way it was described to, was described was described as uh, Saving Private Ryan meets uh, Indiana Jones. It was the way I heard it described. And that was... I'm like, wow, that sounds, like a, that sounds exactly the way a Captain America movie should be. And it really didn't do that. And I didn't actually see any of the, I didn't see really um, elements of either uh, Saving Private Ryan or uh, Indiana Jones. And, and I kind of wonder if maybe it got nixed by some of the higher-ups because to do a really hardcore war movie would probably require some blood and stuff like that. And this is being showcased to children, but I really wish they had because... Uh, you know, Captain America is, you know, his World War II era, and he's fighting against Nazis, and 
I kind of wish they would have shown the graphic nature of war. And I, I could tell the director was trying really hard to do it. He was trying to be creative, and but I could, could not help but sense that there was maybe some censors uh, looking over his shoulder, making sure that he made the movie in a certain fashion. And I think it really weak, I think it kind of made the movie a little bit lesser. And I think that's a lot of the reason why you had the Tesseract uh, powered weapons. Because, you know, the, one of the major plot of the movie is <clears throat> uh, Red Skull, the main villain, is trying to get, got a hold of this Tesseract, this really powerful weapon. And he's trying to make weapons, he's making weapons out of it. He's got tank powered by it, he's got guns powered by it. And yeah, it looks like they're pretty powerful weapons. But I think, I mean, it's one sense it kind of makes. They do this so the plot makes sense, but I kind of don't wish they did do it because it felt a little too uh, Saturday morning cartoony to me. And but I think that but part of me is wondering if they did not do this uh, because they wanted something that'd be less graphic than what a World War Two movie should be. And I think it lessened the Red Skull, who I think is one of the better uh, villains in Marvel comics. And I think there's a lot of weakening in the film because of that. But I say this, and I say this, I'm not saying that this movie was an absolute failure. It wasn't. Um, there were a lot of things I liked about it. I especially liked um, the whole growth process. Um, Chris Evans is just dynamite at being uh, Captain America, at being Steve Rogers. From the voice, he has that perfect voice. He has... A voice that says, okay, this is Captain America. Makes you think of that old... It's He's a character that makes you uh, nostalgic for a better time when there are better people. Although, realistically, we know that the world wasn't so much better. We just kind of have uh, rose-colored glasses uh, when it comes to the past very often. Uh, or what they call it is... Uh, um, golden age thinking. We have that kind of attitude, but this is kind of an interesting thing. This is a. I'm going to come back to that. So Chris Evans does a great job in the role, and especially it's kind of interesting because the other superhero that Chris Evans has played, he played Human Torch, and Human Torch was, um, you know, he was this really cocky, uh, very teenagery. Uh, type type character in the in that movie in the Fantastic Four films, which was completely, completely and utterly different from what you have here. It's like if you took the character that he was in Human Torch and you saw like this guy's gonna be Captain America. He was this that's never gonna work. But he showed the dynamics. He's able to basically do a one eighty in terms of character. And he's, like I said, he's done a really good job. He's done good in all three movies. Uh, oh, actually five if you throw in the Avengers films. Uh, I like that the movie uh, really played into the um, World War II era. I loved the whole thing where he's, you know, when he's at the very early on in the movie, you see him at a movie theater and they're playing those war serials. Uh, you see that... Uh, you see them going to the World's Fair in New York. Uh, when he becomes Captain America, you have those uh, 
the plays or whatever the um, advertisements or whatever he goes around the country with the dancing girls encouraging them to support people to support the war. I loved all that because it's very nostalgic for a time in our world. A time that felt a little bit better where we were proud to be Americans. Where we were proud of our soldiers. And we were proud of what they were doing. And so I really liked the way the movie did that. And uh, I liked Tommy Lee Jones. His character was just dynamite. I kind of thinks that he's, you know, from the early era Captain America, which means you're not going to see him anymore. But, I mean, it's... It, Tommy Lee Jones was definitely typecast because everybody knows he could do this kind of a character. But he did. But I love that he did. He did it, and uh, it added to added to the movie. Hugo Weaving was a good Red Skull. Uh, I actually thought it was a perfect casting picking him because he has he has the facial structure for Red Skull, which was one of the things I first thought of. He's got a voice that's like perfect. That sounds like. Uh, Red Skull, and I mean, he did good with what he had, but I think that uh, the writing in terms of his part of the plot definitely could have been done better, and I, I really, really, I could be wrong, but I really get the vibe that it might have been hampered, uh, as I've been saying, it's been, it was probably hampered a little bit by the studios, uh, because they were worried about the fact that, it's gonna be, that children were going to watch this, and I guess that's kind of a fair concern. But from realist, really, it kind of feels like it got the movie a little bit weakened. Uh, Haley Atwell as uh, as Peggy Carter, who ended up having her own series. Uh, the dynamic, the relationship between uh, Captain America, between Steve Rogers and uh, Peggy Carter, was just a wonderful romance. And that's the thing is like the movie. As much as I don't, I was not a huge, the ending just did not do a lot for me. But in the midst of, you know, that final battle, and a lot of my problems with the final battle, again, has to do with that plot. But even with those complex, those, you know, those disagreements, those dislikes that I have, I was quite fond of how they played the relationship between Peggy Carter and uh, Captain America. And especially, I mean, the very end, the last scene of the movie is that talk is Captain America and uh, Peggy Carter, you know, talking to each other for the last time. So, you know, we're going to have to withhold that dance. And, you know, you... You can, you can feel the love of these characters. They grew to love each other. And what makes it so great is that Peggy Carter did not fall in love with Steve Rogers when he had the serum, when he became the super soldier. She loved him when he was a skinny, um, asthmatic guy, you know, who had was 95 pounds of... Five foot four, whatever it was. When he was that, she loved him. And you could see it. Because, and this is, and so this is going to be, you know, one of the things I loved about um, First Avenger. This is where First Avenger's strength is. Is they were, what they did, the plot wasn't wonderful, but they, the character of Captain America was outstanding. 
They made you respect him. They made you love him as a character. And, you know, I liked the... One of the scenes that I always liked is there's this scene where uh, the doctor, played by Stanley Tucci, or I don't know if that's how he pronounced his name or not, uh, Dr. Abraham Erskine, Erskine, yes. Do you want to kill Nazis? Rogers responds, is, is this a test? Yes. Steve Rogers answers, I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. That, I mean, that there embodies, I mean, he doesn't want to kill. He doesn't want to go to war. But he likes the idea of taking down bullies. Take it down, you know, this is during World War II. We're talking about the Nazis. And look at the way, what they were doing in Europe. And we, you could read into the histories and we know about it. Um, and I'll probably do Schindler's List. And, you know, we know what happened with the Holocaust. Of course, this war happens. They don't really know what's going on, what the Nazis are doing. They know they're bad. Uh, we don't know quite the full extent until towards the end of the war. But he, this is kind of a sentiment of the world, those, the men that went off to war in World War II, that they, you know, this idea of beating back the bullies. Another movie that this kind of gets echoed in is the movie The Majestic starring Jim Carrey. Um, at the very end of the movie, there's a scene where Jim Carrey is reading a letter. Um, and I'm not going to go too much into the plot, but this is the letter from a soldier. And it says, <coughs> When bullies rise up, the rest of us have to beat them back down, whatever the cost. That's a simple idea, I suppose, but one worth giving everything for. Those are the words. It's uh, So again, having this idea, this sentiment, that World War II, we as a country, we went in there and we had the attitude that we had the duty to save, to knock down the bullies and save those who were in need. And it was quite noble. And this is the thing that you get out of Captain America. He's this very noble character. And I think it really echoes the way we feel about that generation. That generation that went off to that war. We look at them heroically, and I think there's some reason to that. Because a lot for they are our grandparents, for many of us. So we look at our grandfathers and our grandmothers, and we look at the attitudes of those men and, and women, and we think, you know, we see the way they are. And there is something to the fact that we kind of do long for a world where we have that kind of patriotism. That kind of ideals to stand against tyranny. To stand against the bullies. Here's another scene from the movie. Again, this is the doctor talking to us. Steve Rogers, Captain America, he says, uh, 
Hold on a second. <laughs> this is after um, Steve Rogers is asked, is like, why did you choose me? And he says, and he's speaking about another person who received the serum. He says, but there were other effects. The serum was not ready, but more important, the man. The serum amplifies everything that is inside. So good becomes great. Bad his becomes worse. This is why you were chosen. Because a strong man who has known power all his life may lose respect for that power. But a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. Steve Rogers responds, Thanks, I think. The doctor against continuing... Whatever happens tomorrow, you must promise me one thing. That you will stay who you are. Not a perfect soldier, but a good man. So that's the scene. And I, again, it's this, this is something that's kind of interesting about Captain America is I was kind of thinking about this. You know, we're going to talking about the difference between DC heroes and Marvel heroes. In the comics, one of the things that people tend to talk about is, you know, that Marvel characters are, they are who we are. They have flaws. They have weaknesses. They have all these different struggles. And then you have, and so that's, the Marvel heroes are who we are now. Whereas the, the DC heroes, you got Batman, yeah, Batman has um, a very tragic past. But he's always fighting, always fighting to do good. And he's smart, he's intelligent. Uh, Superman is the ultimate Boy Scout. And so the, and Flash kind of has some of the similar ideas. And so with DC heroes, a lot of times people talk about DC heroes are who we aspire to be. Which I agree, that's a sentiment of the comics. In the movies, we haven't seen that yet with DC. I don't think we've seen the Superman we aspire to be, at least not since the Christopher Reeves movies. And we really have not seen much of the Batman like that. And, uh, and so I bring this up because there is one character in the Marvel Universe who is a character... Who represents what we should aspire to be. And that is Captain America. And this is one of the things, you know, I just, okay, I just came across this quote online. It's a quote by C.S. Lewis. And I'm going to have to look this up. So you're going to have to give me a moment. So here's this quote by C.S. Lewis. I thought this was kind of neat. It says, Since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies... Let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Otherwise, you are making their destiny not brighter, but darker. Such a brilliant quote by who is really a brilliant man. And it kind of highlights the wonderful thing about the fact that kids are growing up with superheroes. You know, a lot of people decry, may, some people might decry them, and, and at, the, at, the, at the moment, the superheroes are not bringing any worldviews that I'd consider problemsome. 
I like the fact that these kids are going to grow up watching Captain America. I think watching Captain America First Avenger, you know, I mentioned, you know, I wish that it had been a little more graphic, but on the other, a little bit more in touch with the World War II environment from a filmmaking standpoint. But on the other hand, I'm glad that they made it accessible to children. Because I believe that Captain America is actually one of those characters I think kids should grow up watching. You know, I mean, that scene where... There's a scene in the movie where... Uh, where Tommy Lee Jones' character says that... Uh, we don't need men who are strong. We need men that have courage or whatever. And so he throws this grenade out into the middle of the soldiers. They go, grenade! And they all leap out. And um, and Steve Rogers, who becomes Captain America, who at the time is a skinny 95-pounder, jumps onto that grenade. That What he thinks is a live grenade. He says, get out! Everyone out! showing the courage that he was willing to jump on that grenade, sacrifice his life that these other soldiers would live. And so this movie embraces courage. It embraces intelligence. It embraces things that you want children to grow up. It embraces um, virtues that we want to see in the children that grow up. And this is why Captain America is such a good character. And in all three movies, and I'm going to get to this as we go through the three movies, all three movies exemplify the type of person that we would hope we would all be. All three movies involving Captain America has this. And so, uh, so that's, uh, so in terms of my reviews, you kind of heard a little bit of my analysis, uh, and how, you know, the worldview that I like am seeing in this, like I said, there's nostalgia about the old, but one of the things, but I think that shines even brighter in this movie is the person that is Captain America. It's kind of how we view the older generation. And we even saw that in the love of between him and Peggy. I mean, that is love. The love that they're portraying on the film is a love that we see of, from our grandparents that are married for 50, 60, 70 years or whatever it might be. And it's a love we wish for. Um, in a world where there's so much broken relationships, we long for relationships like what you saw between Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter. And like I said, it's it's... it's there's a lot of wonderful virtues in this movie. Uh, in terms of sheer quality, film quality, um, I would kind of give this, uh, on a s scale of uh, five stars, I'd probably say th I'd give it three stars. Um, it's a good movie. I liked it. I enjoy it. I could watch it over. Um, I could watch it several times. But, like I said, there's some things I wish were done differently, but I understand why they were done, why, why they might have been done the way they were. So, uh, I give that three out of five stars. Uh, so, that leads us to the next movie, which is Captain America Winter Soldier. Most of the intelligence community does 
friends that do call him the Winter Soldier. He's a ghost. You'll never find him. They joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. You have to, to build a better world. Sometimes means turning the old one down. And that makes enemies. So that is the um, that is the trailer for the movie Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, came out back in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, in this movie, of course, again Chris Evans as Captain America, uh, Samuel L. Jackson has a more prominent role as Nick Fury, uh, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, uh, Robert Redford's in here as Alexander Pierce. Uh, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes, or the Winter Soldier. Uh, you have Colby Smulders as Maria Hill, uh, and a number of other actors uh, in this movie. It is a Winter Soldier is a very different direction for Captain America. So the first Captain America was kind of um, it's. It was a little bit of a World War II era uh, Tomb Raider movie, kind of. Uh, if that would be the way to describe it, I guess. Captain America Winter Soldier introduced a new vibe for the Captain America films. And that is the vibe. It kind of made it, turned itself into uh, more of a, almost a Tom Clancy type movie. Uh, more into, or Tom Clancy, or maybe like a Jason Bourne uh, type movie. And it's a, it was a very welcome shift. And it kind of, and that would actually, that, that vibe definitely carries over into Captain America Civil War. And 
the movie is such it is a very very well done it's de- it is the the leap in between the quality of first avenger and winter soldier is just monumental it is a huge huge leap in quality and captain america's character is still carrying through because you bring in this you come into this movie and you know, he's very much an active agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. He's always working. That's all he does is he works for S.H.I.E.L.D. He's carrying out missions. You know, we the last time we saw Captain America was in the movie Avengers. It came out in 2012, two years earlier, right? And so the last time we saw him, all these heroes disappeared. You know, Thor disappeared. He went back up to, um, you know, he went away. Uh, you have... You know, Bruce Banner has disappeared, who's the Hulk. Uh, Iron Man is nowhere, is not much to be seen. The only person that seems to still be at work is Black Widow and Captain America. And I'm, I'm sure to some degree, I'll bet you Hawkeye's probably at work too. And so the thing is, and, there, and it makes sense, because his life that he had in the first movie is completely gone. He was, uh, you know, he, he was from the 40s. He's from, you know, the time of World War II. The woman they love was Peggy Carter is now in her, um, in her 90s and dying. His, his best friend, Bucky, was killed in action. The, um, the guys that he went to battle with in the first movie, uh, again, either dying or dead. There's no connection. The world that he knew is gone. And I mean, you know, he would, you know, he loved baseball. He loved, you know, watching the Yankees because uh, he's a kid from Brooklyn. But the people that he used to enjoy watching are not alive anymore. And so this is, you know, they're not they're not playing baseball anymore. It's completely different people. He's got, you know, Alex Rodriguez or whoever played for the Yankees. So 2014, I'd have to. I'm not a huge Yankees fan, so I couldn't tell you who that is. But that is the world he's grown up in, and so naturally he's going to just commit himself to being a soldier. That's what he is. He's a super soldier, and he's going to live as a soldier. But he has not left behind the fact that he is still a good man. And so the movie starts, and you see him actively in the soldier duty. But he's still a good man. And it co- that being a good man comes into play when he starts to realize that this shield that, you know, revived him from the ice at the end of the first movie, this shield that put together the Avengers, and the shield which he has been operating for for quite some time is not so good. And you find out in the movie very quickly that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been corrupted. It's been corrupted by um, the group that is called HYDRA. HYDRA is the... Um, it's Marvel Comics's um, the Nazis. Uh, Nazi Germany. And this movie is... In the way that this all plays out, like I said, some great action scenes. And, and by the way... If you, this, in case you don't know, my movies are spoiler-rich. So, especially these first two. Civil War, I promise I'm not going to spoil anything on that. 
But the other two movies, it's going to be spoiler rich. So, but anyway, Sebastian Shaw, uh, Stan, <laughs> Sebastian Shaw, uh, Sebastian Stan, who plays Bucky Bar is Bucky Barnes, happens to be the Winter Soldier. He is the operative, the key operative for um, Hydra that has been very key in the battle. It is a very like I said, the movie is so interesting because, you know, you have this character who is completely trustworthy. Captain America is, in, like I said, he's the man's man. He's honest. You can trust him. He is as solid as a rock. And he's living in a world where he can't trust anybody. And the thing is, is that the people who are deceitful are playing him on that. They are uh, trying to play his loyalty. You see this in his conversation with Pierce at one point, played by Robert Redford, where he's talking to, that Pierce is trying to get uh, Steve Rogers' position to try to get him on his side, knowing that Steve Rogers is loyal. He's trying to play that. But the thing is, he's also loyal to Nick Fury, and he, he has more reason to trust Nick Fury than he does um, Alexander Pierce. And like I said, it's, it's just, it is a very well uh, played out uh, scene. And like I said, it's it is very well played out the way they show the struggle and it's a great way to reveal it to you as the audience, what's going on, showing the depth of Hydra. And you find out, hey, this this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that we even saw on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we've seen him in other things. Um, I think we saw him in the Avengers. This guy has been Hydra the whole time. And um, the senator who um, grilled Iron Man, Tony Stark, who happens to be Iron Man, um, in the second movie, in Iron Man 2, turns out to be Hydra. And we're seeing all these people that were in this film that you had met earlier, and all of a sudden it turns out that these guys that seemed like they were good guys were actually Hydra. And it's such a well-played-out movie, played-out story. And like I said, it gets you like, wow. It, it plays you into the thing of who's good, who's not. I mean, you know Nick Fury is going to be good. You know the Black Widow is going to be good, and you know Captain America is going to be good because they're the Avengers. But um, beyond that, you don't know who to, who's who. And it, like I said, it plays really well into the um, plot of the film. It gives it strength. Uh, and so, this whole thing also opens up the whole plot line, the scheme of Hydras that they want to. You know, you see that big battleship thing, uh, the air, the helicraft that uh, was in the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, and now you're seeing that they're going to build a whole bunch of them that are automated and can target literally anything and anyone from the sky, and that plays into some of the fears that we have had as a nation, especially at that time when this movie was released. There was a lot of issues. Um, with the NSA, issues that somehow we have forgotten about in two years. And nobody's talking about this anymore. And, you know, this kind of goes into the attention span of the American public. 
And, you know, myself included. I just haven't really thought about this in a long time. And, uh, you know, this movie was definitely playing off of that fear that we have. But I think the biggest thing that actually is applicable to, to now is the fear of what is... You have, I have seen, you've, I've been increasingly seeing this online, the talk about the fear of the NWO, the New World Order. When I say the New World Order, I do not mean Hulk Hogan, Steve Nash, and Scott Hall of the w, of WCW and later WWE. I am talking about an honest-to-goodness... Um, underbelly of this world, the hidden agendas. And a lot of people fear it and worry about it. And there is legitimacy to this. Because the thing is, is Hydra, like I said, is Hydra is, um, it's the Marvel Universe version of the Nazis. And, well, we do have neo-Nazis in this world. I don't worry about Nazism. I worry about fascism in our country because the thing is fascism is first and foremost it is a worldview it is a philosophy that certain people in this country hold to and it is a troubling worldview that really and truly exists in this world and, you know, we see, fa we hear fascism, we think, okay, fascist, that means um, that you're conservative, means you're racist, and that's usually about as far as people get. But fascism is quite a bit more complicated than that. Uh, it is a, fascism is, it's anti-intellectual, it's anti-doctrinal. It is a, it is a, it's a worldview, it's a system, a philosophical system that plays upon our fears, plays upon our angers um, more than anything else. It works to get us angry. And it is, it's anti-individualistic, it's about, um, it's about the community, it's about the common good. It does not stand very well against opposition. And you look at... So you look at some of the... Traits of it. Some of the philosophical worldviews in it. And if you want to read a really good... There's some really good resources on this. Uh, read the book... Uh, Modern Fas Fascism by Gene Edward Veith. Or listen to... Uh, Fighting for the Faith episode... Um, entitled Resistance is Futile, You'll Be Assimilated into the Community. Uh, there's a number of other resources on this. Uh, researching into what fascism actually is, not what we have been taught throughout our years. We've been told, we, when we are tip, typically in schools, when we're taught about fascism, we don't, they don't teach us what fascism is. We teach it, they teach us about its symptoms. It's like teaching us, well, cold is when you cough and you have a runny nose. Well, there are other um, viruses that can cause you to cough and have a runny nose. And it may very well be a cold, but it might be something entirely else. And so being a racist or being conservative, ultra-conservative does not necessarily mean you're a fascist. 
And the thing is, fascists are not necessarily conservative and they're not necessarily racist. Um, a fascist can be liberal or a fascist could be, um, could be conservative, could be moderate. There's, it doesn't, fascism does not fit on the left and right. Apologize for that uh, little break. <laughs> uh, my tragedy, the challenges of um, recording podcasts as a pastor, phones ring, and uh, so I have to go attend to that. And so uh, I'm going to try to regroup here a little bit. So, so I was talking about, you know, the fascism in this world. It's, like I said, it's alive and well in this country. It's alive and well in our culture, in our society. And it is... Um, the worldview is here. And so, and the problem is, is that many, what you have in this movie is, I don't know if this is what it's intending to do, but it is depicting something that I believe is really accurate. And this is why this, and I, I argued, many people, this is going to be a highly, highly controversial statement. And so hopefully this doesn't cause you to turn it off, this off, and, uh, skip me going to the Captain America Civil War, which will have be at the end. But I am of the mind that the Republican candidate for president, uh, which is Donald Trump, much of what he has done in his campaign is very reminiscent of the fascist ideology. Understand, I did not say he is Adolf Hitler. I said that he has fascist ideology and fascist tendencies. Is he an actively fascist? I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But a lot of what he has said and done is reflexive, reflective of, a, again, a fascist ideology. Donald Trump is notorious for not giving, being clear about his positions. In other words, which is a way of, in other words, anti-intellectual, anti-doctrinal. He is not clear on his doctrines. He's not clear on his positions. He is, um, he is abrasive to those who challenge him. Look at what he did with Megyn Kelly. Uh, the host of Fox News, which, you know, he's very sexist. Being sex misogynistic does not make you uh, a fascist. But he definitely does have some misogynistic tendencies. Uh, he, has, uh, he has made comments that suggested that he wants to change the First Amendment to make it harder for news reporters to speak against him. And so that is, again... Uh, that is something that's very characteristic of fascists. They don't like opposition. They do. They come up with their own little tactics of ways to shut down dissenters. Uh, he is feeding very much into the fears of people. He is not speaking intellectually. He is fe people are afraid of ISIS. People are, are afraid about the immigration issue. People are angry about various things that he feeds into that anger. He is supportive of Planned Parenthood, which, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a fascist, but it is of interest because uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood 
was very Margaret Sanger was very much uh, favorable to fascist ideologies. Um, and by the way, as Christians, that should concern us, anyways. That he is a uh, in favor of um, Planned Parenthood, who has sold body parts and abor- committed abortion and stuff like that. Um, then there is the whole thing of, uh, like I said, there's a, there's a number of reasons why I see this guy where I do and this man and he, you know, he, his slogan is make America great again. He doesn't tell you what, what does a great America look like? He doesn't not tell you how he's going to go about doing this. So like I said, there is a lot of reasons to be worried about this man and concerned about this man. And it is a, this is what I mean, when we're talking Captain America Winter Soldier and he's talking about, you know, Hydra, the stories about Hydra being hidden everywhere. We live in a nation that um, the fascist ideology is everywhere. The movie Hunger Games, actually, and I might do that as a review later, very wonderfully displays a fascist character in the film right before your eyes. And kind of why I was able to predict the ending of that movie, that, that film's franchise. There is... This is not only even in our government, it's even in our churches. Again... Listen to um, uh, Chris Roseborough's uh, fa- um, assimilation. Resistance is futile. You'll be assimilated to the community. Listen to that and you will hear um, how fascism is at alive and well in our churches. And, even, and I've even, you're even seeing um evidence even in our own, in the Missouri Synod, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, of which I'm a member. And it's really concerning. And this is why this movie is extremely relevant. Uh, things such as communitarianism, community in and of itself is not a bad ideal, but there are there's a point where it becomes community in <coughs> in denial of the individual. Christian community recognizes the individual and the community. And so, I mean, if you want to, community is an important thing to talk about. There's value to it. Uh, you read, especially, I mean, Luther's, um, in Luther's large catechism, especially on the third article, he deals a lot with the subject of community. But it is not the way it gets, tends to start to get used in churches. You have a lot of churches talk about their vision Their vision that they say, I got this vision from God for this church. The problem is, you know, God gave me this vision, this idea for the church. And the thing is, when he says that God gave it to me, you can't question him. Because to question him is to question God. And that gives him power. And that is, again, that's making him, um, making him a Führer. Führer in German literally means leader. Because that is the heart of fascism. Fascism is about a leader um, you know, it's all about the leader, about the Ubermensch, and his ideology leading the community. 
And the leader's idea is what matters. It's the head, the hydra. So going to hydra, the head is what matters the most, the head of hydra. And so the head of fascism is what, you know, stands out. So, like I said, listen to those guys and... Uh, it is a real worldview, and it's a real concern in our country. And I believe, you know, Winter Soldier kind of brings to light some of these issues. So, you know, that's, here's a, and so here's a, here's a little uh, speech by Steve Rogers, Captain America, and in the movie says, this is towards the end of the movie, says, Attention all S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is Steve Rogers. You've heard a lot about me over the last few days. Some of you were even ordered to hunt me down. But I think it's time to tell the truth. S.H.I.E.L.D. is not what we thought it was. It's been taken over by HYDRA. Alexander Pierce is their leader. The Strike and Insight crew are Hydra as well. I don't know how many more, but I know they are in the building. They could be standing right next to you. They almost have what they want, absolute control. They shot Nick Fury, and it won't end here. If you launch those helicarriers today, Hydra will be able to kill anyone that stands in their way, unless we stop them. I know I'm asking a lot, but the price of freedom is high. It always has been, and it's a price I'm willing to pay. And if I'm the only one, then so be it. But I'm willing to bet I am not. You know, given what I just talked about, you could kind of apply this. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to kill you, but... If Trump is what we are seeing in his ideology, and I'm not even dealing with the problems of the, other, the candidates on the other side of the aisle, what do we do? How do we stand against it? And it's, I don't, it's disconcerting. Um, this is why our Senate election, our House re election, representatives election, um, is going to be very important this year. Because they're going to keep in check Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, or Bernie Sanders. I'm going to be one that's going to write in my vote, and no matter what we have, I think we're going to be in a tough situation. Uh, Donald Trump, though, is the one that I feel has the best chance of getting elected right now. And it's because he knows how to run, because he is running for president using the fascist playbook. And in a culture, in a country, that everything is about how you feel. Not just the liberals, but the conservative as well. They are doing what feels right to them. What their emotions tell them. Not what their mind tells them. We're not thinking intellectually anymore. We're thinking emotionally. So horribly badly. And so we have two candidates in our election right now who are playing on that. And that's Donald Trump, and that is Bernie Sanders. And I'm not going to say Sanders is a fascist, um, and I don't think he's really playing on it as much as Trump is. 
But they're both playing, they're playing a similar game to some degree. And this is why we need to be concerned as a nation. And I don't know what to do. We gotta pray, we just gotta pray to God, knowing that He's in control. You know, we just had Ascension Day and a theme of Ascension Day and a theme of the seventh Sunday in Easter is that God is in control. All right? God is in control. So, with that all in mind, uh, that is, you know, my comments on Winter Soldier. It is a great movie, and it is a movie that gets brings in some stuff to think about. And so, my review of that movie on a five-star scale, um, I would give it four out of five. Uh, very solid movie. So, with that, um, we're going to move on to the newest movie, the newest Captain America, and this and that is Captain America Civil War. Nice job. We try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. But you don't give up. New York. Washington, D.C. Sokovia. Okay, that's enough. Captain, people are afraid. That's why I'm here. We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm getting. I'm sorry, Tony. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I know we're not perfect. But the safest hands are still our own. So that is the review for, that is the trailer for Captain America Civil War. As I mentioned at the beginning, this one I will not do a full-on review um, and analysis because the movie just came out. 
Um, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. Although I did like a little spoiler I found on Facebook. Here's some spoilers about the Civil War. Uh, Lee died, surrendered, and Lincoln died. Okay, sorry. Um, history humor there. But, history slash geek humor. But anyways, uh, Civil War, Captain America Civil War, I went to see it now twice. I saw it in 3D on the first night, and then I saw it in 2D, regular, um, last night. And it is a little bit better in 2D. I'm just going to give you that heads up. There's a lots and lots of action in this movie. And for that reason, 3D doesn't work very well. Because 3D is um, doesn't work well. It's, there's just too much motion. At least it was for my eyes. And so I really couldn't handle it. So that's why um, I definitely prefer the 2D over the 3D. But with all that being said, the movie is just... Um, it's a tan. It is in. It is awesome. It's got, like I said, great action, awesome moments. Um, I'm not going to say any of these moments, but there's some awesome moments in the movie. Uh, Spider-Man, as, as you heard at the very end of the trailer, uh, makes his appearance, and he makes a great appearance. Um, they did. It's honestly the best Spider-Man character we have seen on film so far. I mean, he looks nerdy. He looks like Spider-Man's supposed to look like. And I love him quipping during the battles that you hear him doing, just like he does in the comics. It is a, it is a truly Spider-Man horrific um, character. And you also have in there, um, there it's, you know, there, I love that. Um, I love the interaction between the characters, Bucky Barnes. You know, Winter Soldier and his interactions with Falcon are just are funny at times. There's humor. This is where why Marvel is just kicking DC's butt. And here's the thing: is they really Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, and Captain America: Civil War deal with some of the same issues because a lot of people have been commenting about all the damage that happens in these superhero movies, all these things that have happened in both. Movies are really dealing with this issue, you know, and so, and the thing is, is it's amazing how much better Civil War does at it, even though Man of Steel is the biggest culprit of mass damage in its movie, and so, but Captain America Civil War just knocks it out of the park. Because the thing is, they have a very serious issue in this, this film. And they deal with some serious issues. There are serious moments in the movie. But there's also there's still humor. There's still good action. DC has this whole no humor rule when it comes to their movies. And it's absolutely stupid. And they think, well, you cannot be funny and have a serious movie. Well, Winter Soldier has proven that wrong, and now, again, Civil War is proving that wrong. You can have humor and be serious, because that's what people are like. People know how to be serious and funny at the same time. You know, I'm a pastor. I, go to, I, I serve a lot of funerals, and, you know, in fact, that call I just got was for a death of a member, and my, my uncle... Uh, I don't know if, how much longer he has. And, you know, you go to a funeral, and it's, there's, there's a lot of tears shed, a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow. But we also share jokes. We laugh and we chuckle with one another. 
Because laughter is so therapeutic. And see, the thing in real life, we tend to have humor. Even when we're grieving. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, uses humor in the midst of serious stories. And that is what they have done, especially in the Captain America films, especially the last two. And Marvel knows what they're doing. And they are being so, there are so many, there's definitely wonderful moments in this movie that connect to the comic books. There's a one shot at the very end between Captain America and Iron Man. And I'm not going to mention it right now, you'll see it. But if you know the comics, it's just straight out of the comics, a beautiful shot. And there's even a quote, and I'm going to actually, this is, it's not really much of a spoiler, totally. And I'm not going to say where this quote comes up in the movie, because then I would be spoiling something. But in the movie, there's this quote that comes up, and I'm not going to use the quote from the movie. I'm going to use the quote from the Civil War comics. This is spoken by Captain America himself. He says, doesn't matter what the press says. Doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. Here endeth the quote. It gets, that quote gets referenced in the movie and it's a wonderful quote by Captain America. So like I said... I normally don't do analysis with movies, but this one little quote embodies Captain America's character, and they have carried that through all three movies. But it also is a very, very good quote for us to think about. Today is, this, you know, tomorrow's going to be the seventh Sunday of uh, Easter. And in the one-year lectionary, which I preach on, preach out of, the text talks about persecution of the church. When the world is changing, is telling you to vote one way, and given what I just talked about in, about in, with, in regards to Winter Soldier, what's going on in our election, we keep moving. We say, oh, we have no choice. If we don't vote for Trump, Hillary is going to be president. And we, as if Trump is actually a better solution, we've done a good job convincing ourselves he is. The whole world is telling us one thing. And ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you. You're looking at this election. You're saying, I cannot stand any of these candidates. Be like a tree. Make like a tree and stand beside the tree. Uh, the river of truth. Make like a tree beside the river of truth. And don't move. Stand strong and tell the whole world, no. You move. Don't vote, for, don't vote against your conscience. Don't act against your conscience. The world is changing and it's telling us how to think and what to do. 
And I know this could apply to either ideology. A liberal might read this the same way. And by the way, there's some really good discussions in this movie that I'm not going to cover here. And I pro and so uh, probably November-ish, I'll probably review this movie um, when it's on DVD more intently. But it is... Stand tall, guys. You know, his old saying says, if you're not willing to stand for something, you will fall for anything. Or another quote. This is a great quote by Martin Luther King. Give me a second here. This is a wonderful quote by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, this, was, this was from a speech in Detroit in June 23rd, 1963. He says, I submit to you that if a man hasn't discovered something he will die for, he isn't fit to live. That is the quote. If somebody has not found something he is willing to die for, he isn't fit to live. We have a world that's changing rapidly, ladies and gentlemen. And being a confessing Lutheran makes, means we have to more and more stand, be a tree, Standing at the river of truth, telling the world, no, you move. And so, it is a great movie. It really does deal with some serious issues. And, it, like I said, it's action-packed, wonderful movements. It's funny. Um, couple, there's a few things I could kind of poke at, uh... I would like to see, I think, Black Panther. I wish you, I could see more of him, that he would have been a little bit stronger. Uh, there's a few moments in the movie that I, wish could, that I think could have been done better. But it's by far the minority of bad. And so I would say on a scale of five stars, you know, this is fresh in my memory. It's hot. And so, um, you know, my review in November might be a little bit lighter. But I'd say at this point, I'd say four and a half out of five stars. It is the best. In my mind, it is the best Marvel movie. With the exception of maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. So, uh, it's a great movie. If you, I, urge, I encourage you to go see it. Um, it is a wonderful movie and uh, really fun. And it will get you thinking, hopefully. So... With that in mind, that is what I have for today for Captain America Rific, uh podcast. That is my reviews. So uh, next week I'm going to do a review of the movie uh, The Way Way Back uh, starring Steve Carell. Uh, I don't know what my movie will be. Uh, we'll see what comes out next weekend. And so that will be my uh, next podcast. And uh, I know I said I was going to do the Iron Man movies. I'm going to probably do that later. Uh, they're kind of, admittedly, they're kind of a little bit more challenging to do than Captain America because there's, it's, they're good movies, but they are not as thought-provoking as Captain America, to be honest. But um, I'm, I'm holding them off until later. And there are some other things they could pull out on Civil War. I really, the sides that they picked was really well done. And, you know, maybe we'll bring that up again in November uh, when the movie comes out. And so, it comes out on DVD. But anyway, so that's the plan next week. The Way Way Back will be the review. Uh, it's a lesser known movie, but it's a good one. I, if you've never seen it, I encourage you to go on Amazon 
or go to the DVD store, or whatever, buy it, rent it, whatever necessary, and watch it. So, uh, with all that in mind, I pray that this was a blessing to you, and it gets you thinking, and gets you excited for Captain America. Uh, so, with that, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Again, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I am a pastor of St. Peter Lutheran Church in Ocheed in Iowa, St. John Lutheran Church in May City, Iowa, and Zion Lutheran Church in Horton Township, Iowa. You can find out about our churches, my church, the churches I serve at www.iowaoclutherans.org. Thank you and God bless.